Okay, my name's my name's Chris. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Chris. I'm on staff here. Um, if okay, I have a question for you. If and I want you to answer it. If you were going to describe what we've been talking about all semester in one word, what would it be? Genesis. You don't have to think too hard. It's just Genesis, okay? So we've been in Genesis. We've been. Uh, I mean, I think I think we've been diving. Have we been diving? Yes, sir. Abhishek's convinced. Nobody else is. We've been, at least we've been trying to die. We've been we've been trying to really dig in. You know, um, I mean, we've been man, the Tree of Life, Image and Dominion. Uh, we've been doing a lot of Gen Revving. That means Genesis to Revelation. There's a lot we've been getting into. Actually, Genesis is the seedbed. In Genesis are all the divine seeds that God sovereignly planted that grow throughout the rest of the scripture and is harvested, consummated in the book of Revelation. Um, So anyway, there's a lot here in the book of Genesis and today we're going to be talking about Noah. Let's all read the title at the top of your page. You should have it. If you don't have it, I bet somebody will get it to you. Let's read the title at the top of the page. Ready to go. We're going to be talking about Noah. Actually, we're going to be in Noah for a little bit more here after this week. And specifically tonight, we want to talk about the life and work that can change the age. Raise your hand if you want to be a part of that. All right, all right, good. Um, So tonight, this is how it's going to go, okay? I'm going to tell you how the whole thing's going to go right now. Okay, we're briefly going to paint a black background. Uh, the reason there needs to be a black background is you need to underst- you need to get the context of where Noah's coming from. And then uh, we're briefly, we, I mean not briefly, but we're going to go through the life that changes the age. The kind of life that Noah lived and the godly ways he inherited from his forefathers. And then we're going to get to the work that changes the age. And this is where this is this is where I got lots of feeling. Okay, so stick with me till Roman numeral three. Um, we 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 want to be in this. You know what? If you're a Christian, you should be living a life and doing the work that can change the age. I mean, what else are we here for? If we're not living to bring the Lord Jesus back, I mean, what are we doing? You know what I mean? We might as well just be like anybody else. We want to live a life and complete a work that changes the age. That is what Noah did, and that's what we want the Lord to reproduce in us. Okay, so on to the black background. The first uh, set of verses there, Genesis 6, 3 and 5 through 7. Um, let's have the brothers and sisters alternate here. Brothers, you go first on three, and then sisters will follow you after that. Okay, ready? Go. And Jehovah said, My spirit will not strive with man forever, for he is the evil of flesh. So his days will be 120 years. And Jehovah saw that the wickedness of man was great in the air, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart Continually. And the Lord relented that he had made man on the earth, and it 
Okay, pretty bleak. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, God looked at man and he said, very good. You know what, when God says something is very good, you better believe it's very good. You know, a lot of times we throw around, oh man, that was awesome. Okay, when God says very good, it's really very good. You know what I mean? And only six chapters later, five chapters later, really, God looks at man and you know what he says? Man, I wish I hadn't even created these things. You know what man was created for? Man was created to express and represent God. And only five chapters later, he looked down upon the earth and you know what he saw? Only evil continually. Consider those words. Muse on that. Let that stew in your being. God looks upon man and he says, the thoughts of his heart, only evil continually. They were made in my image to express me, and now look what they are. You know what they are? They're actually, a rep- they're actually a, uh, an expression and representation of my enemy. That's exactly what man became. Only evil continually. Basura. <laughs> Think about it. Um, and I, I want I want you I want you to think about I want you to think about uh, what could man have been thinking about that was so bad? Did you ever think about that? What could God be looking at and say only evil continually? I wish I would have never even made them. Okay, well I think I think we have some clues here in Luke chapter 17. And when you read this, we're all going to read it together. I want you to emphasize the things that men were doing. Whenever we read them, I want you to emphasize it, okay? You think you can do that? Yeah. A few of you can. Okay. All right. All right, let's try it. Let's let's read it. Luke 17. Ready go all together. sound that bad does it what's wrong with eating and drinking what's wrong with getting married god made marriage what's wrong with planting buying selling i mean are are we supposed to just sit on our hands and not work and you know i mean expect well the lord will provide all my needs i don't need to have a job or anything i mean what okay here's the revelation here these were all inherently in these things there's nothing wrong with them They're they're daily necessities. But you know, through the subtlety of the serpent, what happened is that he hooked man and caused caused man's entire being to be consumed in daily necessities that God provides for man. So, for example, uh, and and, and I mean, let's be honest, eating, drinking, who am I going to marry? Uh, how much money am I going to make? How am I going to make it? I just described 90% of your thoughts. 90% of man's thoughts. I mean, let's be honest. 
You know, I mean, the re- most of the time, the reason why we come to get a higher education is so we can have a good paying job. So eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, how much money I'm going to make, how am I going to make it? That's basically what we think about. And the subtlety of the serpent is that he has hooked man into being absolutely anxiously concerned about how all these things will be carried out. And you know what's left for God in man's heart? Nothing. Sorry, God, I, I don't have time to think about you because I, I got I to gotta think about what I'm going to eat next, where I'm going to go, and... And I really like her and hoping she likes me. And man, we're, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working real hard here, God, on, uh, you know, what job I'm going to have next. And uh, sorry, I just, I just don't have room for you. This is the subtlety of the serpent. And, oh, Lord Jesus, we don't want this to be us. God looks down and he says, man, that I've made for me to express me, to represent me, has no room left for me. They're completely and utterly consumed with normal daily things that I'll provide if they seek me first. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things? What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, who you're going to marry, where you're going to work, all those things. This is the subtlety of the serpent. But, everybody say that. But, there's good news. But, there's good news, okay? Everybody say, hallelujah, there's good news. Okay, I want you to read Genesis 6, 8 through 9. And when you come to this divine, life-altering, history-changing but, I want you to emphasize it, okay? Because it is worth emphasizing. Okay, read it. Ready, go. the very bottom of man's fall, there is a but. There is a divine, life-altering, history-changing but. And actually, uh, that word favor can also be interpreted grace. But Noah found grace. And you know what we want to look at in light of uh, kind of the black background here? We want to look at the life. We want to look at the kind of life that finds grace. Don't you want to have that kind of life? A life that in the midst of the crooked, perverse generation, a life that finds grace. Don't you want to have that? Paul does. Praise the Lord. Okay. Actually, if you want to find grace, go ahead and say, yes, amen, I do. Okay, I, I believe you more now. I believe you more. Okay. So, Roman numeral 2, read it. Ready, go. Okay. Noah had godly forefathers. And the fact that in verse, let's see, 9, it says Noah walked with God. That walk there is just packed with all kind of good stuff. What it means is that Noah inherited the godly ways of his forefathers. And what are those godly... Ways we're going to read them. Okay, um, let's read uh, Adam. Read read the title and then go ahead and read the verse. 
Okay, you may read that verse. You probably may not even remember what you just read. You may look at that verse and think, what in the world does that have to do with the way of salvation? What that has to do with the way of salvation is that right after man fell, you know what God did? He came and preached the gospel to man. Go ahead and say, ooh. God preached the gospel to man. When man fell, God came and preached the gospel. You know what, you know what God said? If you, eat, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. So Adam and Eve thought, oh man, we're toast. And after they fell, God came in and said, you know what, Eve? You're going to produce a seed that will conquer and destroy the serpent. And you know what Adam did? He looked at Eve and said, your name is living because you're alive. We believe the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. And you know what? Adam got saved. They got saved. They believed God's word and it was accounted to them as righteousness. Just as a few chapters later, God would come to Abraham and promise him, you shall bring forth a seed and Abraham would believe it and it would be accounted to him as righteousness. This is Adam. This is the way of salvation. And Noah inherited it from his forefathers. Okay. Let's go to Abel. Abel, ready, go. Abel offering sacrifices to please God. And Abel also brought an offering from the first things of his law, that is, from their fat portions. And Jehovah had regard for Abel and for his offering. Okay, so we see a little progression here. You know, what happened with Adam was God slayed some animals and then covered Adam and Eve in those animal skins. And we can guess from other verses in the Bible, they were probably lambs. Jesus ultimately came as the Lamb of God, right? Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-six says, And lambs shall be for your clothing. So probably what God did was foreshadow Jesus' coming as the real Lamb of God for the forgiveness of sins slay those lambs and cover Adam and Eve with those skins. And then Abel comes around. He's a second generation. And you know what he's doing? He's tending sheep. Which, in a kind of a way, you could say, man, that was a waste of time because nobody's eating meat back then. Nobody eats meat. What are you doing taking care of those sheep? Okay, from this verse, we can see what Abel was doing was taking care of the offerings unto God. And you know what happened when he did that? Jehovah did this. Oh, I like that. Satisfying fragrance. When you go to the law and you read about the sacrifices that were offered, the fat would be burned, and it says it was a satisfying, pleasing fragrance to Jehovah. So not only do they have the way of salvation, but with Abel we see a progression offering sacrifices that pleased God. Don't you want that? A few more people. A few more people. Okay. All right, let's go on with Enosh. Ready to go. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is rich to all who call. So you know what you know what the revelation here is? Men saw that they were weak and fragile. And you know what? When you're truly weak and fragile, 
Sure. You don't care who's around. You will epikalioke, out loud, call on Jehovah. You know why? Because you need Him. And you know what will happen when you need God and you call upon Him? You'll get Him. And He'll be rich in your experience. You may have grown up your whole life as a Christian, gone to meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, and God has never been rich to you in your experience. You know what happens? I hope, like Enosh, you will open up your mouth and call on Jehovah and enjoy God. I hope your college years are for enjoying God. Get a degree in whatever you want, but make sure that you enjoy God to the max. You know what I mean? So we see another progression here with Enosh. Man began to enjoy God. Okay, let's go on with Enoch. Ready, go. thinking about this uh, last week, I want this, I like want this to be my biography. I I want this to describe my life with the Lord. You know what I mean? I walked with God and then I was not for God took me. Wouldn't that be great? At the end of your life, if they didn't say, man, he was the best engineer the world had ever seen. I mean, if you want to be that, that's great. But what if they said, man, he walked with God and was not? This is a progression. It's one thing to take the way of salvation. It's one thing to offer Christ for God's satisfaction. It's another thing to call upon Jehovah. It's another thing to spend your entire life walking with God. This is what Noah inherited. And it's what he lived out. Because in Genesis 6, 9, it says, and Noah walked with God. Okay, so now think about it. Okay, uh, riddle me this. If you took God's way of salvation, you offered up Christ to God for a pleasing sacrifice to Jehovah. Think about that. You pleased God. That's good. You called on the Lord. He was rich to you. You walked with God every day of your life. Now, wouldn't you be happy and satisfied? Wouldn't you be the happiest of all Americans that ever lived? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't you say, mm, I got a good life. I got, I'm, I'm doing even better than the American dream. I like kick the American dream in the teeth. What kind of life is that? Surely a life in which you are satisfied. Am I right? What about God? Is God happy? You know, it's good. It's good for us. You know, if you're around us long enough, I totally believe you will break through. You will touch your spirit. You will touch the Lord. You will enjoy God and you will be a happy brother or sister in Christ. I believe that. But I hope that's not all you experience. Because if Noah would have stopped here, you know what? You know what would have happened? Nothing. The the age would not have been changed. God is a purposeful God. And He has a plan, a purpose that He is carrying out here on the earth, and nothing will stop Him. And you know what He would love? He would love for some persons to say, Jesus, I want to be a part of that. You, you, are so, you satisfy me so much. God, what about you? Man, what about you, God? I'd love to be a part of what you want to do to make you happy. Boy, he would love for some men and women to say that. 
And you know what? There was a person on the earth that found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. His name was Noah. So now we're going to go on and see the work that changed the age. Do you want the life that changes the age? Do you want the work that changes the age? Okay. I didn't tell you what it is first. You don't know what you're signing up for. But we're going to get there. Okay. Let's all read Roman numeral three. Ready? Go. Okay. The work, what Noah did, Noah did a work that was twofold. Okay. Number one. Yeah, I'll just tell you what they are. Number one, he was a herald of righteousness. You know what a herald is? A proclaimer. Someone who announces. Jesus is Lord. Someone who proclaims. Noah, in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation, one in which God looked down and said, every thought, only evil continually. Noah was a herald, a proclaimer in the midst of that generation. Okay, let's read the verse. 2 Peter 2, 5. Ready, go. Okay, I I, want to give you some context here so you know what Noah was doing. Uh, It had never rained on the earth before. And Noah is telling people, okay, so water is going to come out of the sky. I know it's hard to imagine, but water, water is going to come out of the sky and, and you, won't, you won't be able to see the land because God's bringing judgment on the earth. He looks down and he says, only evil continually. He's, he's wiping out our generation by, by making water fall down from the sky, okay? We're, we're all in big trouble, Water's going to come out of the sky and everyone's going to die if you don't if you don't help if you don't help me big build that boat over there that's a football field and a half long. Now what what would you say if somebody told you that? You're crazy. You're ludicrous. Who's this old man and what is he talking about? I mean, come on, think about it. Think about it. Think of it, if somebody, okay, okay, so what you're telling me, Noah, is that we're all wrong, right? Every single person here is wrong, and you're the only one that's right. That's what you're telling me, right? Water's going to come out of the sky, right? God's angry with us. Water's going to come out of the sky and, 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 and flood the earth. And, and everybody's wrong except you. You're the only one that's right. Is that what you're telling me, Noah? Now, how would you feel? How would you do? He's given quite a task. You know, just consider, I don't know if you've ever taken a philosophy class, but a lot of times, probably you'll have some kind of class here while you're at UT Uh, in which the entire purpose is basically to debunk and mock the thought of God. And uh, I I remember one I took. It was called Lying and Deception. (laughs) That's the comm school for you. Anyway, this class was called Lying and Deception. And you know what? The The whole goal of the class is to put it in your brain. There's no such thing as absolute truth. There's your truth, and then I have my truth. What's true to you may not be true to me. 
So what you like, that's okay for you, and what I like, that's okay for me. You're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. (laughs) And there's no such thing as an absolute truth. You know what they're really saying? There's no such thing as God. Now, Now imagine, imagine you're in a class like that, and your commission is stand up and proclaim. Stand up and proclaim that judgment is coming. Stand up and proclaim that you're building a vessel which will contain, protect, and usher my people into the next age. Stand up and proclaim that I'm wiping out the entire generation. Herald of righteousness. Easy? Not that easy. Pretty difficult. No, it was a herald of righteousness. Matthew twelve thirty four, Matthew one two three four, says that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You know what Noah was probably thinking about a lot. And I've been God appeared to me. Judgment's coming. I'm the only I'm, I'm the only one who found grace in God's eyes. I, I've got to get it out. I've got to, I've got to tell someone. Even they make fun of me. They call me crazy. They tell me I'm wasting my time. They tell me I'm usurping my family from a normal life. I, I've, got, I've got to get it out. Jeremiah said that if he wouldn't speak, God's word would be like fire in his bones. Surely this was Noah. Surely this was Noah's experience. Okay. Number two. What Noah did was build the ark. Say that. Okay, let's read the second verse. Ready, go. Okay, so Noah is divinely instructed by God. And you know what? He starts to prepare an ark for the salvation of his house. You know, uh, firstly, probably in order to build the ark, he had to gain his family. You just think about it. Dad gets a crazy, uh, crazy speaking from God. The whole world's going to be flooded. And everyone's under judgment. And now we're going to spend all our free time and all our money building a football field and a half-long boat because water is going to fall out of the sky. I mean, if your dad was telling you that, how on board would you be, right? I can't think, I can't even imagine telling my wife that. Hey, baby, we're going to change our life plans here. You know what I mean? You know what Noah probably had to do first before he went and spoke to the crowds? He probably had to speak to his family. And out of, out of the seven there, his sons and their wives and his wife, maybe, maybe he got one. And then you know what? Man, they're, they're fellowshipping. They're praying together. You know what? And, you know, they, they continue to speak the vision. Maybe a third joins them. Man, I, you know, I, I think we should, really, we should really consider what Dad's saying here. You know, I, I, think, I really think God spoke to him. I think judgment's coming. I mean, look around. Look. Noah had to gain his family. Out of 120 years that he was a herald of righteousness, he gained seven. (laughs) 
Go ahead. Feel free to laugh. Feel free to laugh. Think about that. Your job for 120 years is to be a herald of righteousness and build a giant boat and you only gained seven. Would you be disappointed? Go ahead and say, yeah, I would. Okay. Don't be disappointed. It's okay. It's okay. Noah gained his family. And because he gained his family, you know what they did? They built the ark. They built the ark. They built a vessel that could hold, contain, and protect God's people from the generation outside, could protect them from the coming judgment God was bringing on the earth, and could usher them into a new age. In the Old Testament, you know what God needed? You know what He wanted? He wanted an ark. In the New Testament, you know what God needs? You know what God wants? God wants the church. God wants a proper, healthy, shining church life. A vessel that can contain, hold, protect God's people from the generation outside of it, from the coming judgment on the earth, and that can usher it into the next age. I don't know what your definition of, of, you know, what you grew up with as your definition of church, but this is what the church is. It is a vessel that God wants his people to build that will contain them, hold them, protect them, and float them into the next age. Don't you want that? This is the ark. You know, the ark is a type of Christ. And you know what the church is? The body of Christ. What God wants is a vessel that will contain his people and bring them into the next age. This is what the ark is. Doesn't that sound good? Don't you want to be a part of building that? I want to be a part of building that. You know, um, I just want to give you two practical applications to think about here and really to pray over. You know, I, I'm not, uh, needless to say, um, you know, I, I got saved in 2005. So how many years is that? It's eight. Eight? It's eight years. I've been a Christian for eight years. Um, I recently, not too long ago, I graduated college, graduated Bible school. Uh, I got married. Now I'm here serving. I've been serving for about a year and a half. I, I'm, I'm only like two or three steps beyond you guys in life. I'm not, I'm not like, I haven't been serving the Lord for 40 years, you know what I mean? And so these applications are, 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 they're applicable to me. I'm not just, you know, preaching something to you. This is what I, this is what I've been considering in, in light of this. Of the work that changes the age. You know what it probably... Think about what did it cost Noah to build the ark? What did it cost Noah? Two things that... Probably cost him a lot of things. Two things that I thought of first. One, his free time. Number two, his money. Where do you think they got all that material? When do you think he had the time to build that giant thing? We're talking about a football field and a half-long boat, okay? This is a huge vessel, and there's only eight of them. Who knows how long it took for Noah to get all eight, but you know what I mean. You know, um, when it comes to time, I know this is true with me. 
And I think if it's probably true with me, it's probably true with you. Um, when it comes to my free time, what I don't have time for, if I were to be honest with myself, it's what I don't have the heart for. You know what I don't have time for? I don't have time for real practical things like uh, cleaning the house or uh, getting the work done on the cars that I need to do, the honeydew list, uh, kind of real practical things. I don't have time for that. You know what that really means? I don't have the heart for that. I don't want to do it. You know what I always have time for? I always have time to chill. I just love, I love to just chill. You know what I mean? If it's 11 p.m. and I've got to be up early the next morning, and if one of the bros will call me up and say, hey, bro, I just wanted to, you know, like get together and chill. I was like, come over, man. This is great timing. I've got time. I've got time. I've got time for that. I've always got time for that. That's what I like. You know, you know, you know what it'll you know what it'll cost to build the ark, to build the church? Time. Think about it. Think about what you what do you do on Friday night? You know, a good thing you can do on Friday night is go to a home meeting. Everyone say amen. amen. Think about it. Do you have time for your studies? You know, if you love studying, you always got time to study. You know what? You make time to study. If you love academics, you make time for it. Whatever you love, you make time for. You know what? We need a uh, we need a seeing, a revelation from God about what he's doing on the earth, what he wants, so that in our heart there would be room, practically, even in our free time, to build the ark. Yeah. Number two, I was thinking about money. Um, you know what? I was helped right after I got saved to do something that uh, I believe has been so helpful to me. Tithe. You know, as a college student, I made next to nothing. But you know what? Somebody helped me to give some percentage of my next to nothing to the Lord. First. You know what? I was thinking about... You know what I... uh, when I was in college, I never bought groceries. I ate out for every single meal. Think about that. Except breakfast, you know. I ate out for every meal. You know what I, I don't have money for now? Which is an indication of what I have, what room I have in my heart. You know what I don't have? I don't have money for groceries. It's like, man. Joanna's saying, hey, we need to go get some groceries. I'm like, man, I don't really have time. I don't have money for that. You know what I mean? It's like, my resources are, man, they're, you know. I mean, I only got so much, you know. You know what I always have money for? Go out to eat. <laughs> you know, if I got this much left in my bank account and Joanna or anybody's like, hey, why don't we go out to uh, Kirby Lane for late night uh, Kirby Queso? Or why? Hey, let's go. To, man, let's go to let's go to Rudy's. Let's get some of that extra moist brisket. Or I've always got money for that. <laughs> Anybody suggest that? Oh, yeah, I've got just enough in my bank account. Let's go. (laughs) You know why? You know why? That's what I love. You spend money on what you love. And so you know what? If the Lord would appear to us and speak to us and show us what he's doing on the earth, maybe, maybe 
just maybe there would even practically be room in our wallet to build the ark. So what does that look like? Well, you know, as a college student, you know, let's say you do go to a home meeting. You know what that looks like? Man, you know, uh, maybe I should bring something, you know? Maybe I could pick up a, just just pick up a few drinks or maybe I could get a dessert, you know? Man, it would cost money. Well, I guess their food that they give me to eat costs money too, huh? Funny. I never, I never thought about that. Wow, so all, all that food that I eat on Friday night, that costs the saints money. Wow. Well, you know what, maybe, I got, I got a little, you know, maybe I can give some money. Maybe I, I can bring, maybe I can bring a few things. Oh, you know, I've been, I've been really, really burdened for that guy in my study group. I've been praying for him. You know what? Maybe, maybe I could, buy, I could buy him a coffee. Hey, man, why don't, why don't we get together? I'll buy you coffee. We can get together. I know you got some questions about the Bible. I'm a believer. I love, I love God's word. I'd love to get together, spend, spend a little time together. I'd love to spend a little time together. And you know what? I'll even buy you coffee. I'd love to get together. You know, when I, when I first met the brothers, when I first met the bros, I was back in Irving where I, uh, where I grew up. And uh, there was a guy, there was a guy that offered to meet me at Starbucks, which I thought was so weird. I was like, who actually goes to Starbucks, you know? This was before, I didn't drink coffee, you know? Starbucks was pretty new. I was like, we're going to go to Starbucks and get a coffee, you know? I didn't even feel comfortable walking in them places, you know? I was like, I'm going to buy a coffee, you know? There, there, was, there was a brother who was just a couple years older than me that said, hey, on our winter break, when we're free, you know what? I'd like to get together. I'll buy you a coffee on our winter break during our free time. I'd like to get together so that we could fellowship, so that we could get into the Word. What do you think of that? Practically. Two ways that you can build the ark. Okay, here's the last thing we'll get into. Let's read this verse. Let's read the last verse. First Peter four four. Ready go. Revelation makes you different. I'll say it again. Revelation makes you different. You know what this verse says? In this they think it strange that you're not running into the same flood of dissoluteness. Now what's strange about that is normally people run away from a flood. But this verse says that the world around you thinks it's strange that you're not running into the flood with them. Now isn't that strange? You know what, if we, see, if we truly see something from the Lord, it will affect our inner being. And you know what it will also do? It will practically affect our living. And you know what? In some people's eyes, it will make us strange. 
You know, in a real way, if there's not one person in your life that thinks, man, you're a little strange. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know what you're doing with your free time, man. Tell me what you're doing on Friday night again. You're going to church again on Friday night? <laughs> don't you do that on Sundays, man? I'm a, I'm a little concerned for you. You're a little weird, man. I don't think you have a social life. If there's no, if 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 you are not strange to anyone, I think there may be a problem. You may need to see something from the Lord, what He's doing on this earth in this age. Okay, you're telling me, wait, how many how many times do you go to church again? Wait, wait, what, what, are you, what are you doing with your paycheck again? Wait, how, how much of a percent of your paycheck do you give to the church? What, what are they doing with your money? Man, you better watch out for them people. Man, they're taking your, you're like giving your money to the church, man. You know, I was, I was touched by this in the college conference. Victor Sotelo, he said there was a brother that, uh, that, took time to go and meet with and shepherd another person he was burdened for. You know what Victor said? Why did you do that, man? You could have been watching a movie. Like, why did you waste your time doing that? Wait, you're telling me, you're doing what with your summer? (laughs) You're going to do that internship thing again? Like, man, come on, invest in your career or something. What's wrong with you? What are, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, it's okay. You know, you're religious. That's okay. If you want to be religious, that's fine. Just don't, don't be too much for this Jesus stuff. Don't be too much for this Jesus stuff, okay? It's fine. If nobody feels this way about us, perhaps we need to see something more. Martin Luther saw something and it made him different. The Apostle Paul saw something, and it made him different. He went from killing Christians to immediately hailing Jesus as the Son of God. Seeing something makes you different.